Hello and welcome to this next episode of the Growth Strategist Chat Series. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dory Clark. Dory, how are you? Simon, I'm great. Thanks. It's good to be here with you. It's great to, to talk with you. And I know you're talking from New York and I'm talking from the, literally the other side of the Atlantic here in Ireland. So, um, you know, you've highly accoladed. You're number one communication coach in the world. You're one of the top 50 thinkers around business. You're author of a highly acclaimed book, Entrepreneur You. You're a marketing and strategy expert. Uh, you're a Harvard Business Review author. You're a, a business professor at Duke and Columbia University Business Schools. I hope I got all that right. Did I get, did I get all that okay? That, that was fantastic. Thank you. I'll, 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 I'll slip you the 20 afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so much to talk about in, in the short period of time, but maybe start with a little bit about you, your background and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, the, I guess where where it started in many ways, probably probably like most people, when I was in college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew what I was interested in, but it felt very mysterious and ineffable because there were certain professions where it was very clear what you did. You know, you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school, mm -hmm. uh, but all of the things that I was interested in doing didn't really have a clear pathway to them. Uh, and so I remember that the, the career office at my college said, well, just, you know, make a list of the things that you like doing, and then you can extrapolate your ideal career from it. No. And basically all I came up with was that I liked reading the newspaper and giving people my opinion. And I'm like, what do I do with that? <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately I have somehow managed to find a job that, that lets me do those things, which is, uh, which is great. Although there were a lot of ups and downs along the way. Uh, I actually did start as a newspaper reporter, which I thought was kind of a, a logical way um, yeah. to, to do that since uh, reading the newspaper is good form if you're a newspaper reporter. Uh, but then the industry started to collapse and I got, I got laid off. I worked in politics, uh, typically for candidates that, that lost. Uh, so I had to keep reinventing myself. But eventually I, I uh, came to the path of entrepreneurship and 14 years ago started my own business. And so yeah. as part of that, I... Um, have ever since been uh, doing a combination of writing and teaching and consulting and executive coaching. Yeah, no, and that all resonates with me because I, I actually did start life as a lawyer, right? I was a commercial lawyer in the UK, Ireland, Australia. And really after about, well, I knew after one year, it wasn't really in my heart, you know, it was in my head and on my heart, but I, but I, but I lasted 13 years. And my wife said to me 20 odd years ago, you're, 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 you're an entrepreneur, Simon, and it's transpired that I've done this very similar to you. So I, you know, I'm effectively unemployable because I do so many things. I write, I teach, I lecture, I coach, I consult, and, and I'm now moving at the age of 52, 53 into radio and podcast. So I think careers constantly are moving and shifting and pivoting and, and the same around, you know, communication and, and personal brand, right? And I'm kind of pivoting now into the, into the next question, which is, you know, I mean, obviously your key areas around communication, success, and personal branding, right? Uh, and personal branding is something that I'm really, really interested in. Uh, what sort of trends have you seen, particularly around personal branding, before this current crisis? And what do you think might change as a result of this? Well, it's, it's a really interesting question about how the pandemic is affecting all of this. Um, ultimately, we sort of have to have to play out a few factors, right? The piece that we all know is that thanks to the pandemic, more people are working from remote. Uh, we're 
interacting through these these kind of weird two-dimensional uh, yeah. forms. Every, everything is uh, teleconferencing and, and things like that. Yeah. And so I think as a result, a few things are happening. The first is that people have, I, th I think in general, become much more conscious of what their brand is in yeah. the sense that if we are operating quote unquote normally, you know, if you're a regular person with a regular job and you've got your colleagues around you, you may actually be under the impression, oh, I don't need to think about this. You know, the people around me know me, the people around me like me. Correct. But being in a virtual environment actually foregrounds the fact that this is very artificial. This is an artificial way to get to know one another. And it, it kind of uh, makes it clearer to people, oh, wait, it, things might not be translating the way that I want them to, yes. or, oh, I'm going to have to make much more of an effort, especially for colleagues that, that may be newer or you don't have as deep of a bond. I need to make more of an effort to really get to know this person or to make sure that they understand who I am and that there's yeah. not something misconstrued. So I think that it in some ways is forcing us to up our game because the people who took it a little bit for granted, oh, I don't need to think about this. Everything's mm -hmm. cool. They suddenly realize, oh, even I need to be thinking about this as well. Yeah, no, I think that's profound. And, you know, I would echo that in that, you know, for, for me personally, you know, I was trucking along nicely doing face-to-face -face training, lecturing and coaching, consulting. And I didn't, I didn't even have some sort of tagline associated with me. So I just did various bits and pieces. And then in lockdown, a few people said to me, well, if you're reaching out to thought leaders and if you're doing this, they need to have a reason to be drawn to you. They need to understand who you are. So, you know, growth strategist was a name that was banded around and it's stuck. Okay. And so I, I guess the point that I'm making is that even though it's kind of arcane and, and a little bit uh, disconnected, when we're face to face like this, we're actually directly looking at each other. And so our brand, I think is there's, there is no distractions. So I think our brand needs to be more crystal clear. Is that kind of what you're saying that we really, the, the opposite of what people are thinking. I think it sounds to me like you're saying that our brand needs to be even clearer and even less ambivalent because more people are watching us potentially. I think that's right. And I also think that for many people, they're not even at the point necessarily where what they're thinking about is uh, how the how the brand is is playing out or the execution yeah. of that. That's even downstream. I think that there is still a significant percentage of the, the population that in a very foundational sense feels like even the act of thinking about what is my brand or yeah. how am I coming across is somehow shady or somehow fake. You know, yeah. oh, you know what? I'm suddenly I'm thinking about my brand. What kind of a person does that make me? I yeah. just do good work. My work speaks for itself. Yeah. And I I think it's really important to to bang the drum at this point and say, you know, people, come on. You're what we're talking about is not about selling yourself in some yeah. fake way. It is not about um, you know, pushing some artificial thing. What we are talking about is your reputation. Correct. And if your reputation is somehow not coming through in the way that you want, that is a big problem in the professional world. You, yeah. you need people to understand 
who you are and what you're capable of at a really basic level. And so I I think even just getting people comfortable with asking the question, gosh, how are people seeing me? Do they actually know that I can do A, B, and C? That's That's a worthy question for all of us to be asking. That's, again, that's profound. And that directly leads me on to the next thought that I have, which is given that, you know, everybody now effectively is online, right? And, and I'm seeing so many webinars and so many Zoom conferences and summits, and there's huge noise, right? How do we, how do, how do, I mean, maybe you help clients do this, but how do we stand out? And how, what do we need to do to stand out online? obviously in terms of our brand and reputation and you need to be honest and ethical about it because you'll be flushed out pretty quickly if you're not but what what do people need to do to really stand out from the noise do you think well this is uh well that's a very profound question as well simon (laughs) and i'm going to take it and run with it because as it happens uh you know thank you for teeing it up this is actually how i have spent a goodly portion of the past decade is really studying this question because we know now, of course, in, in you know mid-pandemic, um, with everybody online, there's so much noise. But it's it's only intensifying, right? Even even three years ago, even five years ago, people said, "Oh, there's so much noise. How will I ever get heard?" And yeah. so this is this is not a problem that's changing or reversing course. It is getting getting worse all the time. And so, yeah. first of all, the first lesson is you know it's kind of kind of like the uh, the Asian proverb, right? The best time to have planted the tree was 20 years ago, but the yeah. next best time is today. Uh, so, getting started is uh, is certainly the first part of it. But what I would say in general, I have uh, throughout the course of my research come to understand that there are three key factors in being able to distinguish yourself in the marketplace to come to be known as a recognized expert in your company or in your field. And I'm happy to expound on any of these, but at a really basic level, and they all interact together, there is content creation. So meaning if you want to get your ideas heard, you need to be putting your ideas out into the marketplace. That's number one. Number two is social proof, uh, which I think is, uh, is, is valuable and not, not a lot of people necessarily appreciate it. Um, Mm -hmm. This is one that especially folks who kind of bristle at the idea of, Oh, I should, well, people should just know they should know I'm good. Well, you know what? There's 7 billion people. I'm sorry. People don't have time to know you're good. And so, we have to give them heuristics. We have to give them quick ways to be able to gauge your credibility. Yeah. And so it's, it's essentially what are the brand names that you're already associated with that can reassure people that you're not a crank. Yeah. <laughs> That's number two. Exactly. And then the third one is your network. Because ultimately, uh, if you do the former two things in a cave, it still won't work. So you need people to amplify that message for you. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, from a personal experience, I I was fortunate to connect with Marshall Goldsmith five years ago. And to be honest, that was the start of my journey, credibility enhancement journey, because, you know, he's just been wonderful in my life and and in many people's lives, but he wrote the forward to a couple of my books and which, which, which just, created credibility there and then, you know, created market credibility. And so it made it so much easier then to reach out to people like you, you know, and, but I think that so many people are kind of lacking in confidence or they just don't believe that they have the ability to reach out to people like you and Marshall and, and, and others. And, and I think that's really important. So m- moving on so the, the book that you wrote, Entrepreneurial You, I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what, what, what's the fundamental premise of this? Because I've always been entrepreneurial in spirit. You know, I've been a coach consultant, but I've owned a watch company. I've invested in business. 
is it are there are people born entrepreneurs or, or what's the premise of the work yeah thank you simon and i'm glad that you started there actually because i you know i know of course right this is a subject of debate people have different views about this but for me personally i i bristle at the idea that some people say oh you have to be born an entrepreneur yeah. because to me that that basically there's there's two things to derive from that so number one if you are an entrepreneur and you're like oh you have to be born an entrepreneur yeah, yeah. to me that just sounds egotistical like yeah. well i have it and you don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like you know like yeah. stop it stop it yeah. um but on the other side of the spectrum are the defeatists who say well you have to be born an entrepreneur and i guess i'm just not that way it's like come on people i mean are you born knowing how to do math are you born knowing how to to speak your language i don't think so you had to learn that too when you were a kid you know everybody everybody has to learn these things and so I think that, that the practices of entrepreneurship absolutely can be learned and uh, that, that if somebody's like, oh, I just can't possibly, well, you know, of, of course, because the, 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 the willingness is not there. Um, but if we are to summarize the basic premise uh, per your question, Simon, what I yeah. would say is this. I, so when I got laid off from my job as a newspaper reporter, I learned... Uh, I guess in retrospect, an obvious lesson, but it was not obvious to me at the time. It was, an, it was, it was a painful lesson, yeah. which is that if you have a quote unquote steady day job, that is lovely until it isn't. Exactly. Because when, when you were laid off, yeah. it's all gone. You have no money. You have right. no security. And odds are you don't know when that is happening. Yeah. And these people gave me four days of severance pay. So by, by the next week, you know, incidentally, this happened on September 10th, 2001. So I had one Ooh. week wow. uh, during, you know, up to that time, pre-pandemic, yeah. like the, the worst catastrophe in American wow. history yeah. um, to, to figure out a way to pay my rent. So it was this very high stress situation. Yeah. And it really emblazoned in me the understanding that that was not a good position to be in. Um, yeah. And that, that we need to diversify our revenue streams. And yeah. so Entrepreneurial You at its heart is about how anyone, you know, whether, whether you have a day job or not, or whether you're already an entrepreneur, yeah. but it's ways to think about how to create new income streams for yourself so that you can both increase your overall revenue and yeah. also create more security, more lasting security for yourself. Yeah, no, again, I mean, that's, you really articulate it perfectly because I was in, a, as I said, I was in a safe quote, secure career legal profession. And then I chose to work in-house. I, I was the first legal counsel for Dell over here in Ireland and another American company. Um, then I moved to Australia, ended up becoming a CEO of an American company there. And I very similarly, I was asked to leave after a year as a CEO, right? And, and at the time, I thought my world had completely collapsed and I was given a nice payoff. But looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because while I was employed for those nearly 20 years, I was always in fear of being laid off, right? And then once you are, and you have a bit of cash and a bit of time, you then start investing in various things. And so I've done exactly that. You know, I have an online business. I, I have a couple of books. I coach. I have some passive income. And there are times when collectively I earn less than I was earning in my salary. But there are times when collectively I earn more. But I've never worried as much as I did when I was employed. It's ironic, isn't it? It's, it's so ironic. And I mean, for me, I think, I think the, the operative metaphor is just like legs on a table, right? I mean, if, if, if all of a sudden 
one of your income streams gets gets lopped off if you lose yeah. one one leg on your table yeah. um if if you only have one leg to begin with it's a huge problem but yeah. if you have three or four or five you know what you're actually okay, you're okay it's yes. not that big of a deal and so it lets you take more chances it lets you feel more free it lets it makes you feel more secure which i think is kind of worth everything in the end a hundred percent so in the last five or seven minutes, you know, I guess uh, well, let's talk about communication success, because I do think that that's a key part of an entrepreneur. I mean, you, d you don't earn money as an entrepreneur if you, if you lock yourself away and you don't communicate. Right. And pre-COVID, we were all together communicating. And right now we're all communicating online. So communication is the common thing. I mean, are there, could you are there common sort of top three to five traits of good communicators, good entrepreneurial communication or how or does it depend on type the type of entrepreneur can you generalize we can try <laughs> <laughs> i'm always game simon let's sure. go for it <laughs> yeah i would i would say that in terms of uh in, in terms of entrepreneurial communication communication in general um you know there's there's a, there's a few things right one um, which I, I think is perennially underrated in many ways uh, at, a, at a very basic level is pithiness. I think that the ability, uh, especially in, uh, in the world that we live in where we're so overwhelmed with, with content and data, it's not, I mean, you know, and to clarify, right, short is, is valuable, but it has to be short and impactful, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, um, oh, just, you know, a minute uh, of, of whatever. But the question is, can you actually say something interesting and meaningful in that minute or the three minutes or five minutes or, or what have you? Yeah. Um, so often, I think people erroneous, and, and, and we get trained wrong, right? Like there's, I, I run an online community uh, it's a course and community called Recognized Expert Community. And a yep. lot of the people who are in it, you know, I mean, they're, they're building independent businesses now, consultants and coaches and whatever. And many of them, so many that they actually independently started their own like kind of support group yep. is former academics. And you get, and I think it's probably true in law school as well. You yep. get, you get trained wrong because it's about, oh, well, you get rewarded for confusing language. You get yes. rewarded for length. You get rewarded yeah. for density. And yeah. that's great in that world. But when you get to the outside world, what we want is, can you actually make sure as much as possible that the information is, is transmissible and understandable to the audience? Yeah. And if you can be tight, that is mm -hmm. so powerful. I think the second thing that I will mention is also... Um, you know, the, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use a word which I don't love, and then uh, and then elaborate. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, because people people have 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 literally hacked it to death with uh, sort of trite interpretations. But we will say authenticity, yeah, yeah. and what I what I mean by that, or or sort of approaching it from the side, is simply that so many people are a little bit insecure about what their message is. Yes. And the way that they combat that is they say, well, I will do it the way everyone else is doing it because that, that's the way that one should do it, obviously, yes. right? Every, everybody else is doing it. So I, I will mirror that. And then, you know, I will, I will not be, uh, I, I will be part of the herd and therefore yes. will not be culled from the herd. Exactly. Um, but the, the, the problem with that, of course, is that the minute that you start talking like everyone else, um, there's no reason on earth 
for someone to listen to you. And so we need to come into enough confidence in what we're saying that that we can really just sort of ignore the way that other, you know, be aware of, but fundamentally ignore the way other people are communicating, which often is not that good, is, is, dense, is boring, is commoditized, and be able to say things in a way that reflects our personality. And when we do that, people notice and respond because it is so rare in the marketplace. No, there's one guy who I'd interviewed, Ted Rubin, who's the CMO of Photify. And, you know, he's come up with this term, term, return on relationship. And for him, and he's, I think he's one of the social media number one influences in terms of creating relationships online. And he is phenomenal. And, you know, he, he's all about honest communication. But that doesn't mean nice. That means say what you think. So he's, he's kind of brutal at times online. But, but he passionately, and you can see he passionately believes what he's saying. And people are drawn to that. So, so in the last, the last couple of minutes, if, if anybody, if, if you could go back to a younger version of Dory and knowing what you've been through in life and what's coming ahead in life, what two or three words of wisdom would you whisper to yourself to try and set you up for as much success as or much stability as possible. <laughs> well, one of one of the things that I that I always am conscious of and um, wish I had started doing sooner was really actually getting serious about building an opt-in email list. Uh, it sounds <laughs> it sounds kind of kind of like a technical thing, yeah. but uh, but many people. Uh, don't necessarily think too much about it because so much of the discourse about, you know, how do you reach people? uh, It is focused on social media because social media is what is visible. It's like the tip of the iceberg. Oh, I can Mm. see how many Twitter followers you have. So let's focus on that. But a Twitter follower is not nearly as valuable as a person who has raised their hand and opted opted in on your email list. Um, You know, literally, even if someone follows you on Twitter, about 2% of your tweets will even be seen by that person. So if you are looking to do anything, you know, whether it is write a book, launch a product, uh, get speaking engagements, you know, anything that that somebody, uh, you know, get hired for a job, anything that somebody might want, it really, really helps to have an audience of people that knows who you are and thinks that you're cool. And so having a way to stay in touch with them regularly where they're like, oh, yes, well, I want want to see what Simon thinks about this. Yeah. Um, That is an extremely valuable asset that, that just carries through, the benefits carry through your whole life. And so it is really worthwhile for everybody to think about that. You know, you do not have to be a quote unquote public figure. I have friends literally who, who have what they call friends newsletters and yeah. they write newsletters literally just to their friends, but, but they're yeah. very, very interesting and I like getting them. I've noticed that as well. You know, I, I used to look at, you know, Marshall and John Matone and people like you and, 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 you know, key thought leaders. And I thought, how do they, how, how do they remain like that? And then I noticed you're all communicating with each other. And then now, because I've been interviewing, I'm now communicating and I've, I've realized with, with, with some of the group and I've, I'm realizing that I used to assume it was like a demarcated group and nobody could break into it. But, but anybody can, as long as you have a message and as long as you're real, as long as you're not, as long as you're ethical, as long as you're authentic, as long as you have a voice, as long as you have credibility, then even the best thought leaders in the world are interested in what you have to say. So I, I really agree with that. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you. I could, I, I could actually talk for a long time because communication and personal branding are really, really you know, high on my agenda. But how do people find out more about you and your work? 
Thank you very much, Simon. I appreciate it. Well, for, for folks who are interested, one way to, to get in touch and, and actually to, to even join said uh, email list yeah. if they would like is uh, you can download a, uh, a free self-assessment that I created. It is the Entrepreneurial You Self-Assessment that actually helps you think through mm. in your own business, in your own life, how to create those multiple income streams. Uh, and for folks who would like it, you can get it for free at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. Well, I'm definitely going to, when I put this video out, I'm going to mention that because I work with a whole lot of, you know, young entrepreneurs as well. So that, that, that's invaluable. It's been really great chatting with you and, and I'd like to keep in touch as well. And, uh, and I don't know whether you saw, but you had two beautiful cats behind and they were very well behaved. So that was great. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, they do like to make cameo appearances. That is one of their great <laughs> joys in life during the pandemic is, exactly. uh, is, is building their own, uh, their own base. They don't have email lists yet, but that is only <laughs> because they do not have opposable thumbs. But they have a great brand. <laughs> they do. Thanks. They do. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Take Thanks. care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.